heresy. That's what you get punished for. Not for being part of the resistance. Because officially, there is no resistance. Not for helping people escape. Because officially, there's no such thing as escape. You working hard? Yes. More like hardly working. Let's start the show! Easy hand, babe. <laughs> so weird that they would make that lazy joke. Welcome to Cord Killers, the show about watching the stuff you love when you want, where you want, however you want. I'm Tom Merritt. Hey, man, I'm Brian Brushwood. And that was the intro. Or wait, wait, was that actually footage from season three of The Handmaid's Tale or was that all season two stuff? It was a trailer. That was a trailer for season three. Oh, yeah. No, Coming I can watch season two. You should watch mm-hmm. season two. Season two is good, except for like the last. I think the last episode will be good when there's another season right after is it. it. Yeah, right. Is it yeah, soul exactly. crushingly depressive the way the whole first season was? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, more uh, of the same. <laughs> Joining us today, we have a very special guest, Chuck Wendig, author of Star Wars Aftermath series and Wanderers coming July 2nd. Uh, welcome, Chuck. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, most importantly, a noted uh, fellow Fox expert. We, uh, yeah, we Fox, bonded. Fox enthusiast. I don't know if I'm an expert. <laughs> we, enthusiast. Bo- we bonded over the wild foxes on our territory, which uh, which uh, patrons will get to enjoy in the after talk segment at okay, the end well, of all of this. It's exciting for them. <laughs> yeah, uh, honestly, the reason I thought to invite Chuck on is I saw all the Fox pictures uh, on social that's, media yeah, and was like, hey, it. my friend Brian likes foxes too. He has <laughs> yeah. some. Get on the show. <laughs> Foxes don't have boards. We will, of course, also be talking about Fox Television Network and the both the Disney-owned Fox properties, the not Disney-owned Fox properties, the Foxes on Brian's property. Wait, now I'm confused. Let's just move on to the primary talk. That was smooth, Tom. Actually, we're going to start talking about YouTube. Uh, they announced an originals slate. So the rumors of originals at YouTube are wildly exaggerated. They're going to focus on three areas going forward. Music, no big surprise. Learning, how-to videos are big on YouTube. And personality-driven program. I think that's the one that leaves them open to experiment a little. Uh, Cobra Kai is getting a season three. That's official even before season two is out. Uh, YouTube also renewed its Kevin Hart comedy series, uh, approved Maluma and Paris Hilton documentaries, and announced a Lollapalooza live streaming deal, which their Coachella live streaming has been very successful, so I guess that makes sense. YouTube also announced the first details of its single slate strategy, where they will make originals available for free with ads rather than only available to the subscribers of the $12 a month YouTube premium program. However, it's not just everything's free with ads or you pay to get rid of ads. Uh, For instance, free users will get season one of Cobra Kai from August 29th to September 11th. Then the next day, season two debuts for free. Well, I guess it debuts on September 11th. And new episodes of Cobra Kai will be available for free weekly, but there's no guarantee they'll stick around on the free tier. Uh, more free ad-supported premiere dates will be announced later. So again, not everything made free. And according to YouTube, original content last year 
had 2.5 billion views across 50 shows. I'll tell you what, all of this makes a lot of sense. I think it's a smart move. I always thought that YouTube trying to play Hollywood was a bit of a weird move in that it was ignoring the homegrown or heroes that they had created on the platform. Seems like this is a return to form that's going to reward the folks who are there from the very beginning. Uh, also, I, I think I'm fine with adding ads and time windowing. I think that does make sense that that's something they couldn't do right out of the gates with the uh, the premium originals. But now that they have a big enough back catalog, they could start taking uh, playing that game. Uh, what say you, Chuck? Do you, do, you, do you subscribe to the YouTube premiums? I do not right now, um, in part because it's uh, kind of a very noisy digital environment for that sort of thing, which is why I think the free thing makes even more sense because they're arguably getting ahead of maybe what's to come, which is a glut. Of, of options um, for, for people out there. Uh, so I think that's a smart move and I'm into it. Yeah, I, I guess if I have a criticism of this, I feel like I agree with you, Brian, that they, they sort of had to do it the way they did it at first. But if you're going to make it free with ads, just make it free with ads. Uh, I don't think you lose much if if you say that premium maybe get some early early debuts or something like that, or maybe some back catalog is a little bigger. But this weird thing of like, well, season one will be there at these dates, but then it goes away. I think that's going to be confusing to people. I, on the I, other yeah. hand, I don't think people do appointment viewing on YouTube much, so maybe it's fine. I, th I think I would have agreed with you 100% just two months ago, but recently I got into, uh, uh, what was it, Headlong or or Headstrong, uh, whatever. the uh, uh, their, their new series is Running From Cops, and it's on Stitch Stitcher Premium. There is a free feed, and every episode, that, like there's no ads on it, but they keep coming in saying like, hey man, if you're digging this and can't wait to just binge it, why don't you sign up for Stitcher Premium? And that is a pretty compelling argument i keep i keep almost like no i can wait another week for another episode <laughs> if youtube can start playing that same game because to be honest the the being ad free that that ad free lifestyle in the premium side of things i never would have done it just for ad free but mm. i did it so i could binge all of cobra kai so i think there is something as as a gateway to get people into the environment they tell themselves oh i'm just going to do it for this one thing but then they figure out like it's kind of nice having no ads and then they stick just around. to get a taste man just to get that taste yeah exactly first 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 dose is free right <laughs> first dose is free. <laughs> yeah uh, i i don't know i i, I think I, I don't think it's wrong either way like you say because i don't think anybody's going to be frustrated with youtube because things disappear from free um that said i i maybe they just can't make as much money uh, off the free stuff as they they can off the premium stuff but how do, how do we feel about this thematic thing of, of this because it's so weird because the most successful property to my viewpoint is cobra kai which is the one thing that is not being catered to right in, no, it's in like this whole trinity learning personality driven owen oh, cobra kai because that seemed to work <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I don't think anybody I, I think in general, what that says to me is that in general, the narrative Hollywood style storytelling didn't land and didn't do well. But there is this one outlier that is universally beloved and very, very good. So you're not going to shut that down. So but but in the meanwhile, you know, lean into everything else that that works for you, I guess. Yeah, maybe it's uh, we don't know how to replicate Cobra Kai. But we certainly would be dumb to cancel it. So. Yeah. And the rest of it is just YouTube going to YouTube. Yeah. 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 Did uh, uh, Chuck, did you get a chance to give any of the Cobra Kai stuff a chance yet? Uh, I watched some of the first season and I like it a lot. It's uh, I need the rest of it. Need yeah, of it's it. it's shockingly good. It's I've surprisingly been... sharp. Like that's some sharp. Like what? What? <laughs> like where did they come from? It's just one of those things where I'm still puzzling over how good a show is like that. Then I didn't anticipate it coming. I didn't think. 
it should be a thing. I would have never been like, yeah, that should be a show. And it is, and it's great. Agreed. And uh, I, in fact, I'm holding off on watching season two as a treat, but now that season three is announced and we have a timeline for it, I might as well dive in on that. What about you, Tom? Yeah. You can do it for free. September 11th. There it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, it is definitely on the list of things that I, I have to remember to go watch because everybody who I respect says it's good. Uh, and I know I loved that. I grew up watching the movies and everything. So I have the nostalgia hit on top of it. Um, maybe this will make me do it. I mean, I'll, I'll go a step farther and say it's not just good. It's really great because it's so savvy to how much has changed over the last 35 years. You know, yeah. it, 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 it's it, arguably better than the film. I agree. I agree. <laughs> and and that's, that's like where it's really bizarre. You're like, it'd be like doing some weird like Back to the Future sequel that's like just better than Back to the Future. Like in a, in a TV show and it's marginal and strange, but better. Yeah, totally agreed. Totally agreed. Uh, well, you should also agree to support us on Patreon, folks, because you know what? We don't have uh, any other way of supporting the show. So we need you, please. A dollar is all we ask uh, at the minimum. Please give more if you want. I mean, we do have foxes to feed around here, but uh, there are uh, there, there is a dollar minimum to get in the door and, and we make it worth your while. Right, Brian? Oh, heck yeah, man. Are you kidding? You get your own RSS feed where you get uh, both the, the full show and spoiler in time all in one big block. Plus, after talk where we talk about foxes today but uh, but the point is is you get to be our boss you get the smug satisfaction of giving us an infinity raise right now a bunch of guys are paying us zero dollars pay us any amount of dollars and you get to give us an infinite raise and and get to feel like a total badass by the way i think last year or last week we set up the challenge of if we were able to get 10 new patrons we would we would have our our friend uh, uh, uh amos watch all of the mcu movies backwards having not seen hardly any of them just to give us a report on what that's like so if you want to make insane performance art like that happen why don't you become a boss over at patreon.com slash cord killers you also get a free fox a free fox in a box free fox in a box possibly probably uh free fox may not be guaranteed time to talk about how to watch Hulu has topped 28 million total subscribers, up 12% so far in 2019, uh, partially because they dropped the price. You may have forgotten it, and while everyone else is raising its price, uh, Hulu dropped the price of its ad-supported subscription plan to $5.99 a month back in February. It used to be $7.99. The streaming venture's ongoing investments in content and technology mean it's going to keep operating at a loss for the next few years, but its new owner, majority owner Disney, is fine with that. They're just going to keep pouring stuff into it. Uh, and in fact, at their new front, presentation last week we got a lot of stuff so we'll go through it piece by piece starting with marvel and hulu live action oh look marvel's in the disney family hulu's now in the disney family ghost rider and hellstrom are now coming to hulu uh, Gabriel Luna will reprise the role of Robbie Reyes, Ghost Rider. Uh, and in Hellstrom, Damon and Anna Hellstrom are the son and daughter of a mysterious and powerful serial killer. The siblings have a complicated dynamic as they track down the terrorizing worst of humanity, supposedly, says Deadline. Uh, from the sound of it, Hellstrom sounds a lot like the Marvel book uh, character Damon Hellstrom, who was also known as Hellstrom and Son of Satan, first appearing in Ghost Rider before getting 
the Son of Satan comic book series. He has demonic abilities and the ability to travel back and forth between hell. So this may be a Ghost Rider extended universe on Hulu, Brian. Uh, could totally work. Could totally work. Uh, meanwhile, the fact that Hulu hits that $28 million number and it's attributed to the reduction of the ad-supported platform. In part. In remember, part, yeah. but, but remember at the time that they pulled two moves. They actually increased the price of the ad-free version, but also dropped the price of the ad-supported version. And it seems like that totally paid off. I remember at the time us being not entirely convinced that that was going to be uh, that was going to go over well, but clearly it did. Uh, what do you think of uh, Marvel uh, Marvel TV coming to Hulu, Chuck? I'm into it, especially if we're leaning finally into kind of like Marvel horror stuff. And Ghost Rider has traditionally not fared super great on screens. So, uh, man, if they can get that right, I'm sold. And Hellstrom, that's a weird pick, but like, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I wonder if this isn't some kind of answer to Netflix's uh, Sabrina uh, Teenage Witch stuff that they're yeah. doing yeah because that, that and got... Netflix losing Marvel stuff uh, yeah both of those things yeah. yeah yeah Hulu has given out series orders to the dramas Nine Perfect Strangers starring Nicole Kidman and The Dropout with Kate McKinnon uh, that is about Theranos CEO Elizabeth Holmes and based on an ABC News podcast about her Nine Perfect Strangers is based on the book by the same author who did Big Little Lies, Leanne Moriarty. Big Little Lies, of course, uh, big hit with Nicole Kidman starring on HBO. Uh, Bruna Papandrea, who is an executive producer on Big Little Lies, is on Nine Perfect Strangers for Hulu, uh, along with Big Little Lies creator and executive producer David E. Kelly. Uh, Kelly and John Henry Butterworth will serve as co-writers and showrunners. So uh, it seems like a lot of the Big Little Lies magic coming to Hulu here. Yeah, I wish I was more familiar with any of this. Uh, Ch uh, Chuck, have you been following any of any of these properties? No, no. I mean, I know that the the story of the Theranos stuff, but I mean, I don't know uh, what and the Kate show McKinnon is going to look like. Kate McKinnon is a, Holmes. That's interesting. I like it, but I mean, I'm curious what the property is going to look like then, because it there's there isn't. I mean, there's an absurdity to that whole story, uh, and I feel like maybe they'd be turning that into something more comic. Because I mean, well, how can no, you not I'm, have Kate McKinnon and not be funny or absurd well, in some and way. I think the the impression I get from this variety story anyway is that it will not be comic. And maybe this is Kate McKinnon uh, breaking having, out, breaking having out. her moment where she's like, yeah, I can do more than that. I, I want to be like Bill Murray, Tom Hanks, et cetera. Uh, Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston was always funny up until he Brian was Cranston, very much not yeah, funny. Yeah. <laughs> and it turns out yeah. he's good at being not funny. Yeah. Hulu has ordered its second seasons of the comedies Pen15 and Rami. Uh, that comes two weeks after they renewed their other sitcom Shrill, which also only had one season. Pen15 and Rami currently rank among the top 10 new TV shows on Metacritic with Shrill at number 18. Man, that's huge. That's huge. That that makes me yeah. feel like I want to dive in on that, but uh, I, I don't know anything about them. I'm excited for Shrill. That's good news. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Chrissy Teigen, David Chang, in partnership with Vox's Eater blog, will make several food shows with the working title Family Style as one of them. Uh, that will emphasize how food fosters familial and social connections. Also in the works, a foodie travelogue dubbed Eater's Guide to the World. And and these will show up on which platform do we know yet? These are on Hulu. These are all on Hulu. Uh, oh, okay, got it. Uh, uh, man, Hulu crushing it. Uh, again, I'm not a food person, but I know that relationships and food are both popular. Yeah, I am a total food person. and like I am a sucker for every Netflix food porn extravaganza, every 
I'm into it. They have like a great, you know, uh, street food show on right now, and uh, I'm into it. So Hulu, sign me up for all of that. And uh, people, people are attracted to these kinds of shows, and yeah. Hulu's smart to to try to get some of that magic over there. Uh, partnering with Eater brings some cred to it. Yeah. Uh, get get some eyes from people who know the foodie scene. Partnering with Chrissy Teigen and David Chang obviously brings you like a big name chef. Chrissy Teigen, yeah. if you don't realize, has got some very successful cookbooks out there and uh, has been promoting food. Uh, so yeah, I, I think these are all good good moves for Hulu. It all matters is if the shows are good. And then finally, Hulu's Veronica Mars has a new trailer and its first hints of plot for the July 26th return of the show. It looks like Veronica Mars is in a high stakes crime wave in Neptune. Book it up. (laughs) I want all of it. You're in. I require every piece of this. Uh, There was a bombing designed to destroy the spring break attraction of Neptune. Patton Oswalt and J.K. Simmons make appearances. I mean, you didn't need any more reasons, but there's two more. Yep. Hulu will also have all the previous seasons and the film uh, in their on-demand library by July 26th. Tell you what, man, if you, want, if you want to buy a, a committed fan base whole hog, you can't do worse than Veronica Mars, man. That's right. Marshmallows, bring it home. I'm in. <laughs> I, I just, uh, I love that some of my favorite Austin musicians' music was featured in Veronica Mars because Rob Thomas from Austin yeah. uh, had that connection. So I, I've always had a soft spot for Veronica Mars. As, as, as a matter of fact, I, fan too. I, I, I don't know if I, I mentioned this on this particular show. I'm sure I mentioned it before, but uh, the first time I ever heard of Veronica Mars was because uh, our friends over in Kissinger who play uh, Vicario, that what we use as the opening song for Night Attack uh, had like three or four of their songs featured on there. Fire Marshals of Bethlehem was how it was basically the same story, but just sub in the band Fire Marshals of Bethlehem. And that's how I found out about Veronica Mars back in the day. It's great. The uh, first uh, season of that show is, for me, one of the perfect TV seasons. So. Did you watch the movie? I did, and it wasn't great. It was okay. okay. Like, I liked it, uh, and it had some good fan service in there and uh, some nice little callbacks. Uh, but it was not exactly what I wanted from – But because it's a TV format. Like, mm-hmm. Veronica Mars works well in TV, less in film. And it, so it didn't sour you on this because of that. No, it didn't sour me on it. Like, it was good. I enjoyed it enough, but I really just wanted more. Like, two hours or an hour and a half was, like, just an appetizer. Mm-hmm. An appetizer. Yeah. yeah. Get back to that food metaphor. See? All right. <laughs> Let's talk about what to watch in Under Surveillance. Under Surveillance. The Spider-Man Far From Home trailer is very spoilery of Avengers Endgame. Do not watch if you do not want to be spoiled about parts of Avengers Endgame. However, it also looks pretty cool. And as I will talk about further on Spoiler in Time, really, really nails home how wrong I am about Avengers Endgame. Uh, Spider-Man Far From Home is coming out July 2nd. Uh, I, 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 I couldn't bring myself to watch the trailer, Tom, cause you know, like I, I'm already all in on it. Uh, I, 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 emotionally, did it change anything for you as far as your excitement yes. about it? Yes. I was already excited about it, but this gave me an idea of the tone of this movie and where it's going. And I'm even yeah. more excited. About I'm more it. excited. I was before I, I watched the first one. I was like, fine. Looks cool. Like, you know, I kind of felt that about this original Spider-Man Homecoming trailers. It was like, looks fine. I'm into it. And then the, it was great. So this makes me feel more kind of interested. I, I will spoil you on one aspect of the trailer during spoiler in time, Brian. But there's one moment where uh, if I had already not given up on my objections to the time travel segments of things last week, uh, this would have been this would have this would have put that last nail in the coffin, which it did. So anyway, more on that to come. Uh, the trailer for the movie version of Sonic the Hedgehog dropped last week. <laughs> uh, oops. 
to varying levels of criticism, especially around Sonic and especially around his teeth, director Jeff Fowler responded to the criticism saying, the message is loud and clear. You aren't happy with the design and you want changes. It's going to happen. Everyone at Paramount and Sega are fully committed to making this character the best he can be. They've got until November 15th to do that. What was yeah. the beef with the teeth? Like uh, He's got human teeth. Well, like human, human, human teeth. Not but, even like cartoony human teeth. Looks like someone put the dentures in a like a furry costume. It's a strange, uh, very upsetting. Yeah, that trailer was bad. It was as those uh, a team got together and said, what if we did Detective Pikachu, but bad? And then they made this. <laughs> you know yeah. how they de-age characters? I felt like somehow they, they de-aged the performance of Jim Carrey to yeah. an earlier part of his career. Like they, or transported him from the nineties into this role. Yeah, the whole thing felt a little nineties era. Yeah. And not in a good way. Not in a, we meant it kitschy mm -hmm. kind of no, way. No. Like an, oops, this is, so, so we're in, not supposed to do this. Yeah. In that regard, like uh, how much respect do we have for him just owning it? Like uh, hear you loud and clear. We'll do our best. Be right back. It's yeah, cool, I, right? But also then you're like, are the animators going to be just like shackled to their desks? <laughs> just like like sleepless nights of like, get get his crotch right. Don't, his knees are wrong. Hurry. And then just a like, bigger bulge. He a needs. bigger bulge. <laughs> there, 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 there's two oh, problems no. with doing it this way. I mean, because I think it's the right impulse. But one is, so you didn't have a proper uh, sort of image of what this should be at the beginning. If you're willing yeah. to fold that quick. Yeah. Uh, and so are you going, or is it going to be a battle you can never win? Yeah. Is every, every rev of this going to cause somebody because, you know, as we all know, everybody's angry on the internet somewhere. Uh, are you, at what point do you feel like you've satisfied people? Yeah, that's the question. Right. And then the other question is if they got it so quote unquote wrong in the beginning, what I mean, why would we expect the movie to have gotten it right? Like if they're just like, this is what Sonic looks like in our demented nightmare brain. Oh, yeah, and, and I suspect yeah. I suspect if the comedic timing was better because every single bit of that trailer fell flat, I have to imagine even if it wasn't what people were expecting, if any of it landed, we wouldn't have seen this this harsh of a backlash yeah. against it. When it was Probably. funny, like everyone always said, like the kids will like it at least. Like this is just adults being jerky adults online. And but my son, who's seven, about to be eight, watched it. As soon as it ended, he just goes ew. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, oh yeah. Maybe, well yeah. Co compare this to Aladdin, where people said, well, I guess most of the trailer is fine, but whoa, that genie, that's yeah. weird looking. Yeah. And then the next trailer, they didn't say anything. They didn't promise to fix anything. But the next trailer Working. showed like oh, okay, it's not always going right. to look bad. All right. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Uh, Voodoo announced its first slate of original programming. Voodoo is the online service from Walmart uh, that provides the ability to buy TV shows and movies. They also have some free streaming uh, movies. They're now going to have free streaming originals, including a series based on the movie Mr. Mom, uh, a series called Friends in Strange Places, which is a travel and comedy show that Queen Latifah is attached to as an executive producer, a science fiction series called Albedo, starring Evangeline Lilly, Turning Points with Randy Jackson, which is an interview documentary series, and Blues, Clues, and You, uh, a reboot of the children's series with uh, Nickelodeon on board as a partner. Adventure Force 5 is a movie about a band of tech-minded teenagers who save their town from aliens. And finally, a weekly entertainment magazine with Variety called Variety's First Look.
So that Mr. Mom property is really interesting to me, partly because what made that movie great in the early 80s was two things. Uh, first of all, the comedic talents of Michael Keaton, which will, I assume, not be in this television show. Yeah, and, good guess. And also the general novel, air quotes at the time, idea of a dad being a stay-at-home figure, which, of course, wacky. is not <laughs> wacky nowadays. No, no, in fact, yeah. it's, He's just a babysitter. Right, and, and so I can't imagine that they're going to lean into how wacky it is that he's trying to be a dad at home so i i, I don't know what, really what they have to hang hang yeah, their hat on or yeah yeah those are those are all the right questions i don't think they're unsolvable questions you could reboot it as showing how uh the stay-at-home dads are the new norm and what's life yeah. like and you just have to have the right writers and right actors on board but a lot of questions a lot of questions around yeah that. you know what i can see that as like uh maybe a maybe a progressive family from the west coast ends up in middle america where nobody understands that he's a stay-at-home dad uh blah yeah. blah blah blah. not blah, all middle americans kind of brian yeah. come on like, okay <laughs> defensive much yeah <laughs> Um, but the, uh, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I'll be curious to see what they decide to do with that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, I, I also think it's just a really interesting strategy for voodoo to come up with, you know, I mean, these may not all be good, but they're quality attempts at original shows. These, these aren't, you know, cheap straight to DVD style shows. You got Queen Latifah attached. You got Evangeline Lilly. You got Blues Clues. Yeah, Blues Clues. Uh, Legacy kids property. Yeah. And then saying, you know what? We know you're tired of subscribing to a bunch of things. Here they are for free. I'll tell you what would be With really that. interesting is in the Blues Clues to see whether or not they're able to get uh, uh, Steve to make cameos or whatever. Because I know I know Steve didn't want to be, uh, uh, for anyone who has a child, <laughs> he didn't want to be the Blues Clues guy and wanted Forever, to do yeah. other stuff. And so he left and the, the, the show promptly died two seasons later. <laughs> but uh, it, it would be fun if they were able to, to give him something that would make it fun for him to be involved again. Were there like conspiracy theories about him or weird like uh, urban legends about Steve from Blue's Clues? I seem to remember that, but I don't remember yeah, what they were. Specifically, if I remember correctly, like, uh, and I don't even think it was a conspiracy theory. It's like he was in a death metal band or something like that. The kind of stuff that sounds salacious to you oh, know, when you're nine years old. Right. Satan. And you're like, no. no yeah. No, yeah. No. But, but I mean, you know, hell yeah. Being a death metal band. Why wouldn't you yeah, <laughs> go yeah, for it? I was in a death metal band in high school. I mean, I don't know. Run yeah. <laughs> right on. They were Whatever. called Roadkill. Hail Satan. Yeah. Uh, Quint, you know, one of the things that excites me about the period we're in is, yes, it's confusing and there's too many streaming services and the prices are all over the place. And we don't know if it's really actually going to save us money at any point over cable or not, but at least we have control. Uh, but there's also so much interesting experimentation going on and not yeah. every one of them is going to work. Uh, but Quentin Tarantino is turning the extended version of the Hateful Eight movie into a miniseries. Now, there are six chapters in Hateful Eight. The miniseries is going to be four 50-minute episodes. So, I don't know. That's what he wanted to do. Uh, includes 25 minutes of extra content that wasn't in the original movie. Some scenes are even from a different perspective. Mm. And Tarantino says it's an experiment Netflix asked him to do, and he wanted to try it. So, here you go. I'll tell you what, man. It worked out so well for Dune. Why not try it again? But what about bum. The Godfather? Uh, oh, did, did they do that? Uh, actually, uh, the Godfather and Godfather two re-edited them as a mini series event on broadcast television in the mid seventies. Was, was it really? good? It was huge. Oh. And they had extra content that wasn't in the original movies. Oh snap. That's how you do it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the I, hateful eight is not the Godfather. That's no, it clear. is not. It's culture impact is it may not be doing uh, less. Yeah. 
but it's not the Godfather. Yeah, no, uh, no. For, for the uninitiated, uh, Dune was such a colossal box office failure that they redid it as a miniseries. And it's so funny because you could see that the new footage that they added in there, they never got around to colorizing the eyes blue. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, oh, this weird. I didn't like, realize Yeah, that. no, it's it's really bizarre. Uh, but amazing. but having said all that, uh, confession time, I've not seen The Hateful Eight. Maybe I'll watch it this way first and then watch the, uh, the movie. I tried and I keep falling asleep on it. I haven't seen it either. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's like it's Tarantino sort of reduced to the pure Tarantino thing, and then like drawn out. It's like what I, I found it kind of tough. Like it was like, hmm. mm. yeah. What if Brian, you watched the miniseries and I watched the original, and then we can we do spoiler in time. Oh, but then we wouldn't have a way to fight because we'd have. <laughs> oh, two different you would find a way to fight. <laughs> Oh, we'll find a way. Good, good point, Bryce. <laughs> uh, looks like we might still get more than one Game of Thrones successor series. George R. R. Martin wrote in his most recent blog post uh, that what well, we already knew, that there were five different Game of Thrones successor shows in development at one time. Uh, and HBO has, of course, uh, greenlit what George R. R. Martin says, I am not supposed to call The Long Night that starts shooting later this year. That's the one that takes place at the origination of the White Walkers. Uh, he says there are two others that are still in the script stage but are edging closer. What are they about? I cannot say, he writes. But maybe some of you should pick up a copy of Fire and Blood and come up with your own theories, which is an ingenious way to sell more copies of Fire yeah. and Blood, but I also think it's probably true. Uh, what what a remarkable age we live in of social media where you could get away with even saying this much. Like, uh, I, I remember just 10 years ago, that's the kind of thing that giving anything that smelled like a hint of an announcement would have gotten you a, in a lot of trouble and breach of contract. But now I, I feel like a lot of these guys understand the value of just creating general buzz and, and that line shifts. Uh, uh, Chuck, I'm sure you're, uh, you're familiar with, with these kind of agreements. Is, is it weird to you that, that th this kind of talking around things that are in the works? No, uh, I think it's, I think it, first of all, makes a lot of sense because it comes more as a, listen, I, mean, I think we're becoming uh, trained to kind of ignore things that are through official channels, like especially just a press release or an article. You're like, OK, I get it. It's news and the news is massaged a certain way and everyone's excited. But when, you know, someone like George R. R. Martin shows up and people like him personally or listen to him personally or like his books, um, that's a different kind of vibe. Um, and you can certainly feel it, too. Like I, we do a lot of author promotion at my blog, Terrible Minds, and there's uh, a big difference between when an author comes on to sort of do a promotional thing or when they come on to do a more authentic discussion about the book. And that's what we try to encourage is them to say things that are uh, a little more personal to them. And so I think it connects more. And I also find that like in doing projects for myself, I'm seeing less and less of that, you know, uh, restriction on what you can and cannot say. They're a little less uh, handsy with that. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm 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 excited that there are at least a couple more concepts kicking around out there. Uh, I I I want them to be good, um, but I was a little disappointed yeah. when they went straight to the prequel, and I was like, oh, what about Duncan Egg? I thought that was a good idea, which apparently Duncan Egg wasn't even one of these anyway. But, yeah, you know, there's so many places you could go. So. Yeah, I, I'm I'm wary of prequel material. Like, prequel material is tough. It's like you're always pinned in by what's to come. Like, you can't really get past the 
you know, your end point is always someone else's beginning point. So you're trapped. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. Although I do feel like if you go back far enough in time, like I think Knights of the Old Republic did that really well with That's the video true. games. Yeah, it you could know. be Knights of the Old Republic is either a million miles in the future or in the past. It doesn't matter. Right. Exactly. Which it sounds like from what rumors we've seen might be the case with with one of these properties. Yeah. With the the one he is not supposed to call the long night. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, in a similar vein, Brian, Ron Howard told MTV's Happy, Sad, Confused podcast that John Kasdan, uh, who helped his dad, Lawrence, write uh, Solo, a Star Wars story, has been hounding Ron Howard about rebooting Willow as a series for Disney+. Plus. Howard said the title character could be a more mature Willow, older and wiser and presumably faster with weaponry than he once was. Yeah, I don't have a tremendous affection for that property. Uh, Chuck, do you have warm fuzzies for Willow? Uh, more in its idea than its actual, uh, you know, execution. Like, I mean, I, I liked it as a kid, but also it's one of those movies when you go back and watch it again, you're like, no, maybe, maybe not. Uh, but Mad Mardigan, I'll take Mad Mardigan. Yeah, sure. Any day of the week. Older, younger, just give me more. Then later on, he learns how to fly a fighter jet and fights Tom yep. Cruise. It's yeah. great. And then he's, he's got ice in his veins, man. <laughs> I went to the danger then, zone. Then he forms figure. the band The Doors. It's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's great. It's a whole legacy. It's a trilogy. <laughs> forms the Doors. That's amazing. Uh, did, does it strike you that Ron Howard was trying out the idea of a Willow reboot to see how angry people might get by? Well, and, the... and I think this is the flip side of that talking around things is that on the one hand, it could be used to generate buzz for things that people are excited about. But it also could be used as like an A-B testing where it's mm, like, yeah. well, let me just say this and see what happens. Nobody's freaking Trouble out. Balloon, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, there are two kinds of people in this world, people who are excited about Willow and people who are excited about the XFL returning February 8th, 2020. Bryce, which are you? I don't know. Willow. Uh, <laughs> but the XFL is returning February 8th, 2020 and has announced a multi-year deal with ESPN and Fox Sports. Now, uh, for a while, I'm going to keep doing this, so get used to it. Fox Sports, not owned by Disney. Fox Sports, part of what was left of Fox that spun out as the Fox Corporation after Disney acquired the movie studio, and some of uh, the Fox cable networks like FX. So Fox, not Disney, uh, and ESPN getting some XFL games. They'll be shown on ABC, on the Fox Broadcast Network, and on ESPN, ESPN2, FS1, and FS2. What strikes me about this, the XFL, sort of the alternative network, the scrappy one, Vince McMahon from WWE, still on board with the XFL, not doing any kind, at least at this point, of digital service. Not a subscription of its own, not Amazon, not Twitter, nothing like that announced at this point. So, hmm. Bryce, uh, you you recently sure. went all in on the AAFL, right? The AAF, yeah. Yeah, uh, the AAF, uh, which was the uh, other spring league. It, it died mm -hmm. from what? Just just uh, lack of money, partially because it, it actually came out this past week or two that uh, all of their TV, they were paying to be have all these TV spots. They were essentially all infomercials. Uh, ba basically, right? Uh, and and between other uh, possible fraud indictments, uh, <laughs> it was a tough financial situation for them. So uh, we know Vince McMahon has the money to pay for all of these TV slots, even if he has to pay for all of them. 
um, for multiple years. So, so, so d- does your hunger for for spring football uh, uh, give give XFL a pass here? Or um, not not really. I think the AAF was maybe not the best caliber of play. So I I, I think we'll maybe, but I'm really not interested in the XFL very much. So and and is that is that because of uh, just general Vince McMahon yeah. uh, yuckiness? Okay, yeah. All right. yeah. Well, and and the other thing is the XFL will be a supplementary league to the NFL, where the AAF was sort of a minor league. Yeah, it NFL, wanted to be right? like a minor or a feeder league. Like a feeder league, yeah. yeah. All right, let's talk about what we've had our eyes on uh, lately. Uh, Chuck, has something uh, you've been watching recently you want to mention to us? Uh, something I've been watching recently. Uh, obviously, you know, Game of Thrones is like we're all kind of married yeah, to that show sure. now. Uh, but Killing Eve is killing it. It's a great show. I've heard show. so many good things about that, yeah. Killing Eve is so good. Really, it's just such it's sharp, uh, brilliant, mean in the best way. Mean, uh, I love it. And it's Phoebe Waller Bridge, right? I mean, you murder. Know. It's murder and serial killer kind of stuff. Yeah, but like vaguely, it's snarky and funny. It's like more spy okay. than murder serial killer. She's a, um, a spy seeks an assassin, um, mm-hmm. and they kind of tangle around each other and possibly, almost maybe, are falling in love. Like it's a uh-huh. very strange. There's definitely some sort of loose romantic darkness going on between them. It's phenomenal. Excellent. Uh, Brian, what have you been watching lately? Dude, I showed my kids Time Bandits yesterday, and I didn't know how to introduce it. I just promised them it would be weird, and hot damn it, that movie did not deliver. Uh, But outside of that, the thing that I have loved the most in the last week I've watched has been I Think You Should Leave on Netflix. Oh, God, that's so funny. Five, the first, just five minutes. Give it the first five minutes of the first episode. You're either going to be all in or, or shrug and walk away. I was crying. I was howling alone yeah. in the room yep, at like alone. eight in the morning. I was yeah. howling and crying with laughter it's, at it. It's terribly I, amazing. I called that number immediately uh, in the you know, from the lawyer in the, oh. <laughs> the first commercial break. Yeah. 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 I've had that exact problem. It was so weird. <laughs> Uh, I have been uh, talking, you know, watching Game of Thrones. Uh, We've been watching Barry and The Office UK uh, for spoiler in time. But the thing that I have been watching sort of in off time this past week are the MCU movies. Uh, I I watched this is after seeing Endgame. Uh, We went we watched Iron Man 3 before Endgame. And then when I got home after Endgame, uh, you know, after two watchings of Endgame, uh, I was like, you know what? I want, I want to watch Iron Man. I haven't seen Iron Man in a long time, so watch Iron Man. I had never seen The Incredible Hulk with Ed Norton, so I. Why was it? What did you think? Did it hold up? It was fine, fine, which isn't my highest rating by any stretch. <laughs> right. Uh, but it was better than I expected, to yeah. be honest. Right. And there, right. there, I've always said like I don't think you need to watch it, and I still hold to that. Like if you yeah. just want to understand the MCU, you don't need to watch it. But there were some nice little hints dropped along in there that I'm like, oh yeah, that does pay off, and that'll work. I would really want to see like digitally reinserted Mark Ruffalo into there and see if I would enjoy it better or something. Yeah, a little better. Yeah, um, it just slows down in the second half was my big thing. But yeah. then I've been watching Thor and Thor Dark World and the original Avengers movie and all of that. So I, I've actually been enjoying just going back and, and doing a nostalgia tour of the MCU. Nice. Bryce, what have you been on the lookout for? Hey, we got a uh, pick from a little while back from Rob. Rob writes, uh, hey, Cord Killers, I have a suggestion for you for a new show to check out. It's called Harrow installs 
or sorry, and it stars Joanne Griffith from uh, Fantastic Four or Hornblower or Forever as Daniel Harrow, a British-born medical examiner working in the city of Brisbane, Australia. Each episode has a body of the week story and a continuing plot that progresses through the entire season. The show is an Australian and U.S. co-production between the Australian Broadcasting Corporation and Disney-owned uh, ABC Studios International. Interestingly, it is the second ABC series where uh, Griffith portrays a coroner with a dark secret who disregards authority and plays by his own rules and doesn't suffer fools gladly. <laughs> uh, the first was 2014 Forever. Uh, it's a great series that might fill Tom's tropical murder quota after he runs out of episodes of Death in Paradise. There are only 10 episodes so far, though it has already been renewed for a second season. Rob W. from Redcliffe, Australia. Thank you, Rob. 10 episodes are streaming now on Hulu in the U.S. Check something like JustWatch.com if you're outside the U.S. for where to find uh, Harrow. Harrow. Uh, I guess Brisbane, Australia can qualify as tropical. I'll, I'll give it a go. Been there. Yeah. yeah, I've been there. Yeah, why not? I saw some koalas there. It was a good time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, this is great. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate that. I, I like a good procedural murder mystery with palm trees. This is great. <laughs> uh, if you got something we should be on the lookout for, email us, cordkillers at gmail.com. Real quickly, I uh, do want to mention that uh, Brian and I do lots of other stuff uh, to, to make the world go around. And one way you can keep up with all the different things that I do. Uh, I write books. I do podcasts about tech news. Uh, I've, I'm going to be in Toronto in July. If you want to know, like, what are all these other shows you do? Uh, where are you going to be? What's going on? There's one place to go, uh, and it'll keep you a little bit up to date on a variety of things, as well as uh, giving you the info on what I'm doing. It's called Free Tom Newsletter at freetomnewsletter.com. Now, it may end up one day if I get and more than a thousand subscribers free me from my shackles but more importantly it'll keep you informed so go check it out free tom newsletter.com let's move on to the front lines front lines cable and satellite television lost 1 million pay tv subscribers in q1 brian uh it must be the housing market that's what they told us five years ago uh <laughs> This is compared to the 3.2 million subscribers lost in 2018 as a whole. So they're already on pace for a bigger loss this year than last year. AT&T led the way, losing 544,000 subscribers across Uverse and DirecTV. Dish lost 266,000. That includes Sling TV. Comcast lost 121,000. Charter lost 152,000. Mediacom lost 53,000. Alti suddenly lost a combined 10,000. And BTIG analyst Rich Greenfield called these results, quote, the worst multi-channel video quarter subscription lost in history. Uh, dude, I got to tell you, I think that they've just given up. I think that for five years, we saw them actively putting up resistance, trying to create incentives to trap people in their cable stuff just long enough. And I think five years was enough time for them to put together either their dumb pipe solution or their over-the-top network alternatives. And now that they have them in place, they don't care. Let all of those cable subscribers go away because everybody has their next generation option all lined up. Yeah, I, I, I feel like they, they wanted time to get their new plan in place. And when I said Sling was included in the dish number, the Sling number was an increase of like seven or 8,000. It wasn't that big, honestly, but at least it was an increase. Uh, so so these other services, whether it's alternate TV services or whether it's just, you know, we're going we're gonna to make our money off the internet uh, service that we provide, that's where they're focusing now. And they just know it's going to be a slow degradation uh, of the rest of cable as it goes along. 
Yep. And meanwhile, they're going to have all these new press releases to talk about their over-the-top offerings, how they're exploding and doing better and better. Uh, meanwhile, Cavo, the all-in-one set-top box controller, is dropping its price from uh, to $59.95, down from $99.95. But the mandatory service plans are going up to $3.99 per month from $1.99. And the annual plan jumps from $39.99 for, uh, or to $39.99 from $19.99. It's also adding new features like telescope that lets you see what Cavo is seeing when it's using its screen recognition. This doesn't go to the cloud, uh, just to your phone, and it's pitched as a parental control feature. You can now control the Cavo remotely with an iOS app. The update also adds support for Sonos. Yeah, so Chuck, I don't know. Are you familiar with Cavo? No, actually, I've never even heard of it. So this is a this is a really cool set top box that was done on a Kickstarter, and it uses some of the normal things that multi channel like in, um, universal remotes do, like infrared control. But it also has some machine learning vision that can see your screen and be able to tell what you're looking at, so that it knows like, oh, you're watching this right now, or um, that must be the Roku. I can switch to this other service uh, to make it easier for you to just say, I want to watch this, go to it. Uh, And it can control all of those things. So they're, yeah, they're adding this ability now to say, well, we're looking at your screen anyway to do some of this stuff. What if we let you view your screen? We're not going to be creepy and do a cloud service where we're storing what you're watching. It'll just go straight from your Cavo box over the internet to your phone, and you can use that as parental control if the babysitter's there, and or or maybe if you want to actually like set it up for your your parents or grandparents, uh, and they're having some troubleshooting problems, you could look on your phone and help walk them through menus and stuff. Uh, I think this is really interesting. I think that the future man is is figuring out how to entertain us very efficiently, and I like it. <laughs> I'm for it. I'm for it. CBS All Access censored the animated short in The Good Fight. I don't know if we like this or not. The latest episode uh, has a black screen emblazoned with the message, CBS has censored this content. This appears just before the weekly animated short. Often Jonathan Colton does the music for these shorts. Uh, Deadline says the scene was flagged by CBS Standards and Practices Division, and this was the compromise because uh, the producers wanted to leave the content in. The standards and practices folks said you can't do it. And so this they agreed to just put up a big black screen. This seems like kind of a win-win. Uh, I guess it's, uh, you know what, maybe a win-win for the show because like uh, it, just enough controversy to, because I, I, I got to tell you, I had no interest in checking out The Good Fight, but now seeing something that sounds like things I remember from Comedy Central and, and South Park makes me want to say like, okay, well, what are they talking about that has CBS so 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 delicate about it? Yeah, it's funny because even before this little bit happened, the, uh, the shorts, those animated shorts is what, I've been hearing the most about and people think, Oh, you got it. I checked it out for that. And now the show is also great. So, and so this has just like a little, another little like nudge, even though it's a theoretically negative for them. Um, it does, uh, lend itself well for the actual show. I think it's probably a net positive for the good fight. I, I find it fascinating that CBS standards and practices having once worked for CBS, Uh, may or may not have a leg to stand on here. Like, it may just be like, no, we don't allow this on broadcast television. And they're like, we're not broadcast television. This is so not And like, oh, sorry, says right here in our employee manual, we don't allow this, you can't have it. Uh, Or is there a legitimate, like, well, even though it's streaming, uh, we could get into, you know, some kind of defamation issue or who knows, because we don't know what's in the censor thing. Or even they could just say, that's not CBS. Like, CBS doesn't do that. You you want to do something that's off-brand for us. 
us. That's not our brand. Right. We're the Tiffany Network. <laughs> Netflix is rolling out some machine learning to its audio on streams, adapting to network conditions to optimize sound. People with streaming boxes, speakers, and sound bars that support Dolby 5.1 and Dolby Atmos sound will benefit from the new feature. Uh, is, is this a case of machine learning being a buzzword, or do we feel like this is real machine learning stuff? No, I, th I think the machine learning is probably the least interesting part of this. I mean, th this is just machine learning being a yeoman thing that you throw at a problem. They already do this on video. Uh, and and with video, it's helped Netflix become quite a bit more stable. Uh, you It knows what your connection is and can give you the right amount of bits to keep your picture looking as good as it can without doing pausing and stuttering. I, I don't know if most people have noticed this, but Netflix has improved on that quite a bit oh, over considerably, the years. Considerably. Yeah, yeah. And so now they're like, oh, what? but our audio has always just been you know, secondary. What if we did the same thing with audio to make it sound better? Yep. I, I, I'm on board. Twitter announced a new program, uh, or actually several new programs, with the NFL, ESPN, Viacom, Major League Soccer, Live Nation, and Activision Blizzard. What? Twitter also announced a deal with Univision Communications for more premium sports news and entertainment content. And Twitter announced content from the Wall Street Journal and Time Magazine. I think I find this significant because one of the things we keep talking about is, okay, We've, we've definitely got our solution for on-demand situation comedies, dramas, the things that we want to sit down and watch when we want to watch them. What about the live stuff? What about sports? What about news? What about events? What about concerts? YouTube is one of those. We heard about the, the Lollapalooza deal added to the Coachella. Uh, it feels like maybe Twitter, maybe some others out there could be the solution for sports and news as well. Well, and, and it certainly is an organic fit because that's where everybody runs to to talk about anything live happening. But we mm -hmm. haven't seen people flock to the idea of Twitter as a video destination to watch the stuff live. Not no, yet. That's the no. trick. It's not an origin point for anything. It's always a, it's just a, a sounding board for all that stuff. Yeah, a little of a chicken and egg problem with Twitter, right? Which yeah. is like, oh, I don't go there for video until they have the video. But to get the video, they're going to have to prove that people go there for video. So. Right, right. Sinclair yeah. Media, a player in regional broadcasting already, has agreed to buy the 21 regional sports networks that Disney acquired from Fox. Disney agreed to sell the networks within 90 days of acquiring them as part of its regulatory approval of the purchase of Fox assets. So thank goodness it's out of the hands of a monopolistic giant behemoth of Disney and into <laughs> the hands of a monopolistic, <laughs> monolithic monopolistic uh, regional well, carrier. Welcome to the modern culture. Yeah. Everything. Everything. <laughs> Well, it is, an, it, it is an interesting acquisition because Sinclair is known for radio stations, some newspapers, local television stations, yeah. uh, and these are regional sports networks. But regional sports networks often are what people get in their all-everything package. Like, I want to see all the basketball, and then they throw in all the regional sports networks that carry those basketball teams. So this could launch Sinclair into becoming – more of a player in this space or it could be yeah you were a sucker for buying this thing yeah. that's not going to be relevant Super because marginal. everything's shifting yeah. yeah all right let's move on to some dispatches from the front you heard brian refer to onder earlier in the show onder wrote i decided to give you an infinity percent raise I don't know why I waited so long. I set up a Patreon account and became your boss while I was listening to Spoilering Time. First of all, thank you for Cupcake and Dino General Services. That's, That's what, what we, do. we do. We do. Cupcake and Dino. Yeah. Oh, it's in my head already. Yeah. Uh, Anders says, second, thank you for helping me keep my Netflix queue longer than humanly possible. 
And third, Spoilers. he says some thank yous about our spoiler-in-time discussion of Avengers Endgame that I don't think we can say without spoiling uh, Avengers Endgame, so we won't, but you're welcome, Ander. Uh, Ander says, this subscription is specifically to support the backward-watching order for the MCU discussed last week. Nine of ten subscribers left. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Sean writes in and says, hey, killers, some time ago you discussed the idea of cultural Sherpas who could guide people through some of the sprawling universes that have sprung up in various parts of our culture. I'm having that experience with the MCU. I like a good superhero movie, but seldom go out of my way to watch them. In the MCU, I saw Iron Man 1 and 2 way back when, and that was it. So with the upcoming release of Endgame, a friend offered to give me a quick movie crash course in the MCU. We watched Guardians 2, Doctor Strange, Civil War, Thor, Ragnarok, and Infinity War. It was when we were a couple of movies in that I realized I was having the Sherpa experience. When it was done, I felt like I had a pretty good handle on the MCU, and I'm looking forward to seeing Endgame soon. I thought you might find it interesting, given some of your recent discussions with people who weren't MCU complete. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much, Sean. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm tempted to to kind of you know look at that that list and go, does that give him everything he wants? But that's the point of the Sherpa. You just put your trust that they will they carry, will guide you. They will yeah, guide you. everything you need and and bring you up <laughs> up the mountain. Uh, also got this email from Jesse, aka hometown rival in Indianapolis, about the cancellation of the Santa Clarita diet. Uh, Brian and I were speculating that uh, you know maybe Netflix canceling things three seasons in isn't a big deal brian commented that it's you know they're able to check a box for offering a new show i mentioned that uh starting these shows could entice people to subscribe because they're able to get the complete experience at three seasons but jesse says these shows are often ended abruptly leaving fans 100 percent unsatisfied take sense eight as an example, Netflix ultimately corrected this by producing a two-hour series finale. I'm looking at Big Mouth entering its third season and pondering its fate. And as a fan of Santa Clarita Diet, I'm unlikely to recommend it to anyone because season three ended with multiple story arcs left to explore. Perhaps I'm oversensitive about wanting a show to have a complete arc before I'm willing to invest my time. On the other hand, there's so much great content to watch, it seems, to oddly, uh, it seems odd to focus my energy on something that's incomplete. There's a half dozen or more Netflix originals on my list, and I'll probably hold off on all of them until their fate is known. If this keeps up, I may start asking myself why I bother subscribing to Netflix every month and pause it until I know there's a show or movie I'm ready and able to enjoy. I mean, if it becomes known that Netflix tends to cancel things after a third season, I got to feel like the natural consequence will be more show producers will kind of have a three season arc and then maybe a possibility mm -hmm. to keep on going if it's a runaway hit. And and that doesn't strike me as bad. I, I, I don't know that I need TV shows to go on forever because I think I think I enjoy uh, consuming all of a thing and going on to the next one. What about you, Chuck? Yeah, I'm totally into giving shows uh, a point of closure. Uh, but uh, it's funny with the uh, letter sort of called out as something that we deal with in books, right? Because it's like uh, science fiction and fantasy is driven by series. And, uh, you know, publishers will cancel a series before it gets to its conclusion. And then readers become trained on that. And they say, well, we're not going to read a series until it's done, which now publishers you're selling fewer books. So the publisher's like, well, now we'll, we'll cut it off even sooner because no one's buying the series yet. And so it's a self-fulfilling uh, prophecy, which is tough. Although uh, in the yeah. chat, Beatmaster80 has correctly called me out with the one exception to the rule, which of course is the good place. It should go on forever, forever never. and ever and ever. It will yeah, never get fair. it. Yeah, the exception that proves the rule is the yeah. good place. Absolutely. Yeah. But also I'm uh, looking forward to that ending. Like I want to see what they're going to do. How they could do it. Like yeah. how they're going to, it's going to be good. <laughs> 
Uh, the, the other thing I want to add to this Netflix thing is Netflix's danger is that they become, remember, they're like, we want to become HBO before HBO becomes us, except they don't want to become HBO in the sense that you put HBO on pause when Game of Thrones is done. If there's nothing else you want to watch on HBO and you wait until there's something you want to watch yeah. right now, Netflix is seen as like, oh, there's always something on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, and so they have to figure out how to avoid that as they lose more and more of these partner deals and become a place of Netflix originals. Another good comment in the chat room uh, comes from like, you know, normal TV shows tend to need four seasons in order to hit syndication. Netflix is in that unique position that they no. could give two craps about syndication. And maybe yep. that's why they're doing it the way that they're doing it. Could be. But then they, I do think you should. They should have a close. They should be able to draw the show to a close at three to five seasons or something like that. Yeah, they, they should also, give. Uh, they should give warnings or or build in the contracts where you, they'll always authorize a special to close out the plots or, yeah, or something like that. Something. Yeah. And they probably have a better hit rate than any other TV channel in terms of like finishing off their series. I mean, if you compare them to HBO, HBO generally finishes their their shows off, but yeah. does an NBC or a CBS or a Fox? certainly not at the same percentage. I would yeah, sure. Deadwood is an exception in that it just sort of ended. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, Chuck Wendig, thank you so much uh, for coming here to talk about Foxes with Foxes. Brian and staying yeah. to talk about cord cutting. This has been Yeah, good. absolutely. This has been great. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, hey, Chuck, real quick. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm a huge fan of audiobooks. Which of which of your books should I listen and buy the audiobook of right now? Uh, if you really like audio, the uh, Star Wars Aftermath series is pretty amazing. Invasive is great uh, with XE Sands. And then the Wanderers one coming up is actually has two narrators. So it's kind of a one-two punch. So uh, that's a, a pre-order because that's out in July. Done and done. If folks want to find out more of what you're writing, what you're talking about, where you're do what you're doing these days, where should they go? Uh, TerribleMinds.com is pretty much my central lo uh, location on the Internet. You can find everything you require there, what I'm working on, where I'm going to be. And I will be on tour in uh, July, so kind of be bopping all over the country. Uh, and also, I am on Twitter. It's a terrible hell place, but we're all there. Uh, and I am at Chuck Wendig on Twitter. Excellent, <laughs> folks. Our website is cordkillers.com. Our email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. And we're live on twitch.tv slash nightattack, which is also carried on diamondclub.tv, Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We will talk to you again next time. Hey guys, Brian and Tom here, and it's just the same old message at the end of the credits, just like always. That's right, Brian. Nothing new here except your name showing up. Oh my gosh, I've got a name. Because you just supported us on Patreon. Yeah, all those $5 donors, look at that. That's your name in pixels. We're going to make you famous, kid. Put your There's name in pixels on the internet. There's names in there. But some of you are new. Some of you aren't there. It's sad. What can they do, Brian? I mean, they could go to patreon.com slash cord killers and pledge $5 an episode to be one of these amazing people. Like this the one. Amazing. Oh, look at look at that name right there. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>